0: You're listening to Inside the Outdoors, presented by People for Bikes and the Outdoor Industry Association, where we discuss the latest market trends in outdoor recreation. And now, here are your hosts, Kelly Davis and Patrick Hogan. Hey, everyone. Welcome to this week's episode of Inside the Outdoors. I'm your host, Patrick Hogan. In this episode, Kelly and I discuss employer-sponsored outdoor recreation benefits programs, ranging from standard wellness benefits to being paid to ride bikes. We know that outdoor recreation serves many functions. It helps us stay active and healthy, maintains our mental health. Why else might employers be keen on spending money to encourage outdoor recreation? Let's get into it. People for Bikes has this bike benefit program where if you log rides through the RideSpot app, uh, you get a certain amount per month up to like $100. As an incentive to ride your bike more. And it's recreational riding, it's transportation riding. It's this amazing benefit. And for 23, we just adjusted it based on some patterns we saw emerge in 22, because no one's really riding as much in January as they are in June, July, and August, you know? And so we like ratcheted it down just a bit in January. So you max out after like 20 rides, I think. And in August, I think you max out at 30 rides. So it it sort of responds to like the seasonality of riding and, um, It works great for those of us in Colorado. You know, we have some colleagues in like the Midwest that are still pretty cold. And I think 20 rides is a lot, but we've also got some hardcore cyclists that that dig it. So it's a really cool benefit. Last year was the first year I think that we had really put effort into it. I I think it started early in 22 uh, and it's been a lot of fun. And if we, the employees spend our money in the bike industry, like if we reinvest that cash incentive in the bike industry, People for Bikes matches it. So it's- Wow like I'd be dumb not to buy stuff from a bike shop, right? Like, why not?
1: Yeah, absolutely. Um,
0: and we've also, what one of my colleagues, Ryan Burkett, has been working with other companies around the U.S. to try and get them excited about creating bike benefits programs for their employees because it, there's a lot of benefits when you get people outside and active. And when you when you have a workforce that's like amped on coming to work and they're amped on riding their bike home, I think the effects like, compound and you have this really cool culture. But that's just me really liking cycling. I, I think there's a lot of other benefits that come along with company-sponsored health programs, incentivizing outdoor recreation in, in lots of different forms. So so maybe we can talk about that.
1: Absolutely. Let's talk about uh, that.
0: Yeah, yeah. Do you have any examples? Does OIA do anything or do you do you know of anyone else doing something cool in incentivizing outdoor rec?
1: We don't have any gamified incentives like, you know, we're not keeping track on an app or competing against each other friendly in a friendly competition in, in an app for miles or steps or anything like that. But some of some of the things that we do get are are sort of let's call it neutral activity incentives. We get a national park pass. All of us get oh, an app. no way, pass, which is really, really cool. That means that I can go into any national park with my friends, with my family. I can jam them in the car. For free on OIA every year, which is an amazing, amazing benefit. You know, we get pro sale as I think most people in the outdoor space get. So oh, yeah. you know, some pretty significant discounts on everything from hiking boots to tents to stoves to skis. Yeah. I mean, that's a pretty nice benefit. You know, it's plus an amazing benefit. Yeah, we you know one of the other things that that I love about working in the outdoors is you know, positive reinforcement for outdoor activity. I mean, we're not, we don't have any specific incentives, no KPIs to keep up, but you know, there's everybody, it's, there's a a peer incentive to, you know, tell your stories about what you did over the weekend. Tell me about your hike. Tell me something that happened to you. Almost always the stories are frankly about outdoors. And I think the national park pass incentivizes that. I mean, this time of year, it's it's skiing, and i and when I worked at snow sports, you know, they paid for my skiing, so I had a free I had a ski pass every year, and that was kind of a nice incentive there. That was great when I worked at AOPA it was I got to fly for free, so you know yeah, we, we had that going for us. Uh, we could fly anywhere we wanted and and that was part of our benefit. but I think in in terms of of looking at the workforce in general, I think we are seeing more companies. That not only are are like actually incentivizing activity through apps, you know, whether it's it's step programs or our friendly competition, and who can get the most steps, or how many you know people can do miles, or even race against each other in these apps. Additionally, you know, we're looking at workplaces that are actually locating in places that have you know sort of specific outdoor, and I hate to call it amenities, but are just in really cool outdoor places. Being the creative class is kind of coalescing around places that offer like, the the epic outdoor activities, hiking and skiing, and you know, being in the backcountry, fishing, boating, hunting. I mean, it's it's a big deal now, and it's and that's a different kind of incentive. And there are definite cognitive benefits, there are definite health benefits, both physical and mental, to outdoor activity. I think that's starting to be recognized just in aggregate across the workforce.
0: Yeah, that's that's totally like where i was trying to go with this is that we know that outdoor recreation participation is a way to maintain mental health it's a way to like maintain an active and healthy lifestyle and that in and of itself is great but i think every organization over the last three years has had some sort of conversation about mitigating the risk of burnout because we're working from home for the most part in 2020 and 21 and maybe a little bit less now in 23 but still the lines between work and home life have blurred a little bit. And so whatever a company can do to incentivize taking care of your individual self so that you can be ready to come to work when it's time to come to work is huge. And outdoor recreation can be such an important part of that. I think that a lot of times, you know, it, it, there's, there's conversations about carbon offsetting by commuting by bike. And that's, that's great too. That's, that's been like a traditional argument. I think um, in the last, 10-ish years, 15 years maybe as as companies have been looking to uh, to net out some of their carbon. In addition to that, there's so many other benefits that we get by maintaining an active and healthy lifestyle being outdoors and, and doing the activities we love.
1: Yeah, there's no doubt and, and this is this is a quote um, taken straight from an APA article in in nurtured in nature. says uh, there's mounting evidence from dozens and dozens of researchers that nature has benefits for both physical and psychological human well-being, says Lisa Nisbet, Ph.D., a psychologist at Trent University in Ontario, Canada, who studies connectedness to nature. You can boost your mood just by walking in nature, even in urban nature. And the sense of connection you will have to the natural world seems to contribute to happiness, even when you're not physically immersed in nature. It's a pretty powerful statement. And love it. You know, yeah, this is there. There's mounting evidence that, you know, a, a prescription for outdoor activity is is actually just as powerful as a prescription for many uh, pharmaceuticals, especially when it comes to, to mental health. I mean, the yeah. physical the physical health benefits are, are actually a little bit easier to correlate. Right. You know, if I. If I hike five miles, I hike five miles. But <laughs> what that what that does for me, you know, for for my emotional health and really for my cognitive health. I mean, there's yeah. there's there's also evidence that, you know, being closer to green spaces is highly correlated with better cognitive health. And that means, for instance, oh, that yeah. kids who go to school next to green spaces actually have better cognitive health and and are, are being more effectively educated because of that. That's a pretty powerful statement too. I mean, imagine the difference of just having a school with green space, school with no green space, and and you know the variance between performance of the two groups of kids is significant.
0: That's cool. I'd I'd never thought about that, but that makes so much sense.
1: Yeah. In fact, I have a quote. Hit it. (laughs) Because of course I prepared
0: Kelly. You came prepared today.
1: Yeah. um, Spending time in nature can act as a bomb for our busy brains. Both correlational and experimental research have shown that interacting with nature has cognitive benefits, a topic. University of Chicago psychologist Mark Berman, PhD, and his student Catherine Schertz explored an a. 2019 review. They reported for instance that green spaces near schools promote cognitive development in children and green views near children's homes promote self-control behaviors. Adults assigned to the public housing units in neighborhoods with more green space show better attentional functioning than those assigned to units with less access to natural environments. Yeah. Yeah.
0: I take that uh, you and I are not MDs, right? So we're not saying that this is better than any prescriptions and stuff, but it it certainly has its place and uh yeah, like on the bookshelf over my shoulder, I have Last Child in the Woods. Like, it is it 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 helps maintain like just our ourselves holistically. I take it so much, and and I, I can't overstate how important it is for a company to make sure we're taking care of our people, right? And like, I spent a lot of time in the military. The only job of a non commissioned officer is to make sure all the other soldiers are taken care of. That's it. And similarly, a lot of companies are realizing that it's imperative to take care of the people that are working for them. Because if you don't, they're going to, they're going to suffer. They're going to like not work well. And they're going to bail out somewhere else. The unemployment rate is tied for like a 50 year low. The labor force is at, I think it's like a 60 year high right now. Right. So it's, it's not just unemployment, but it's the total amount of, uh, the total relative size of the labor force is the greatest in a long, long time. So like, if you're not taking care of your people, they're going to bail. They're going to go somewhere else. They'll find a job.
1: Yeah, I was pretty blown away by the Sporting's job report. I mean, five hundred sixteen thousand yeah. was about—I don't know—four hundred twenty thousand over what they predicted. That's <laughs> all <laughs> the same thing. Yeah,
0: it was like five times what they thought was going to
1: happen. I was kind of uh, blown is, away. I mean, that's the kind of data yeah. I'm like, really. I mean, I'm going to have to wait and see and see next month if they if they you know revise that down. But that's pretty incredible. I mean, to think that you know, even even with inflation going down. And the, you know, the Fed still still adding a couple of basis points to our interest rates that employment went down again. I mean, yeah. to a historic low, 3.4% is incredible. So if your company, especially in, in you know, let's call, it's, if you need to hire retail, if you need to hire customer service, mm-hmm. um, it's getting increasingly difficult to find people to fill those positions.
0: Yeah. And it's you're not because ha- people and- don't want to work, it's because people are working a lot already.
1: They are. And in fact, you know, you've got to compete with jobs that have full health benefits in many cases and and better compensation.
0: Yeah. Jobless rate. That was the term I was looking for. The jobless rate fell to its lowest level since 1969, according to right. this report, which is maybe it's worth saying that we're recording this on the 3rd of February. So, like, you know, in the future, <laughs> maybe maybe they came out with different numbers. But uh, this morning's report, anyway, was was pretty rosy and, and certainly a lot more optimistic than I was expecting. Eggs Me are too. still pretty expensive, but everyone's got a job.
1: <laughs> well, I don't know if you know about the big egg feed, the conspiracy about the... Yeah, this is not post- that
0: podcast, Kelly.
1: <laughs> oh, it's great. Though. This is good stuff. You know, everybody buying their chicken feed at you know, Tractor Supply is talking. Mm-hmm. The great chicken conspiracy.
0: I have for years been trying to convince my lovely wife that we should get ducks and we should raise uh, ducks for eggs because they're okay. quieter than chickens. They're more fun and they lay larger eggs. And I think the the recent increase in egg prices is, has sort of softened her a little bit to open it up to maybe getting ducks. But uh, anyway,
1: yeah, yeah. We'll I mean, it's
0: been a long road.
1: I'm I'll guessing the average sure. America might pay there if they're good egg consumers an extra 20 bucks for their eggs this year. <laughs> i mean yeah it's gonna be Freak more out. than that dude
0: my maybe my house is an outlier it's gonna be more than that
1: how many eggs do you consume on average
0: i, I, I have a i have a toddler that has an egg for breakfast every morning we, we put eggs in we cook every night so we got eggs and stuff you know we get through so, eggs we go through sounds
1: eggs. like it i think you might be a core egg consumer it might be anyway. Yeah. We're talking about benefits that, that you can offer your employees, whether, and it's not, you know, it doesn't stop with health benefits. I mean, there's, yeah. there, there's engagement and I think the outdoor industry does a pretty good job of engaging its employees. But, you know, again, it's, it's going to be difficult for the next year or two to find frontline workers, people that are in customer service that yeah. you know are, are ready to offer your customers everything they might need. It's mm-hmm. tough. It's tough. Was, there's was a, a there's an article in the Washington Post today, February third, about you know restaurants having a, a lot of trouble finding people, and it's you know we're seeing more and more articles like that showing up in the mainstream media. Like, yeah. I know. Um, aren't there aren't enough there aren't enough employees. Or, you know, people are not accepting these jobs anymore. And it runs a gamut from, gee, aren't people lazy and they don't want to work to, <laughs> you know, yeah, maybe they just don't want to be exploited by low-wage jobs with with fewer benefits. So, yeah, it's a, it's a market economy and it's a market economy for workers right now, too. So this, this is great. Yeah. That's the and, nature
0: of the free market is that sometimes the power flips a little bit.
1: It does. So I'm expecting to see wage rates go up a bit. I'm I'm expecting to see yeah. Oh, yeah. you know some innovation in compensation. The interesting thing that's happening now is that the big tech companies that really, you know, they were they were sort of spearheading this engagement and you know, just innovative ways to incentivize your employees. I mean, think about Google headquarters and all the press that got for yeah. having. They've got a, right. they can get sushi and they've got these little pods they can take a nap in, and there's a gaming room. I mean, that's all cool, but you know, look at what's happened to tech right now. It's not a it's yeah. not a great place to be. So I mean, I think a lot of I, I wonder if a lot of a lot of us that have experienced some of those innovative incentives aren't just looking around and going, Listen, man, what I really want is a decent wage and health insurance. Is that mm-hmm. what you got? Cause I could I don't really care that much about sushi. I really don't. So I'm wondering, should we be thinking about, especially considering remote work and hybrid work, you yeah. know, switching some of those incentives up and switching some of that engagement to technology in that might be in-app, that might be at part of some some of the incentive plans that you were talking about at, at People for Bikes, where, you'd, you know, yeah. you're riding a certain number of miles and, you know, maybe there's some other things that you could gamify and get engaged on in that platform. Totally. Yeah, I mean, I'm thinking a lot about benefits. I'm sure everybody's thinking a lot about benefits. The workforce issues are are, are going to be—they're going to get really interesting. I mean, across the economy, I think. Yeah. This is this was not what the Fed was going for. <laughs>
0: <laughs> no, no, it's not. And it it's so interesting to me that we've been on this road with the Fed trying to control inflation for a while now, and they've taken a really strong approach and been really like kind of unrelenting and they're i think i heard jerome powell say something like it's you know this is going to be a marathon but the beginning of this is going to be a sprint and it's going to hurt um and it just it hasn't started hurting yet you know like we're the the inflation is still high it's not as high as it was and unemployment is fantastic we like the labor (laughs) rates are high unemployment's low what what do we what what happens next? I don't.
1: The 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 visual I have in my head right now that I think a lot of people could relate to is you've got a you've got a balloon and it's a little mm-hmm. soft, but it says housing on it, and there's a needle, just very yeah. very forcing yeah. itself and it just hasn't popped it quite yet, it just hasn't. Yeah, I mean that's what I'm waiting for. And you it's know really, what? that's that's kind of facile, but I wonder if that's like the the canary. It's not. That's not a canary. That's like an emu in the coal mine. Yeah, um,
0: emu in a coal mine. Yeah, that's one of the biggest contributing factors to bike demand is house affordability. It's sort of this like proxy for discretionary household income. But that work we did with S and P Global now that I I keep like shamelessly promoting on this podcast, and I will continue to shamelessly promote it. It's good um, data. Found that that housing affordability index has a big effect on the demand for bicycles because if you if your money's got to go elsewhere, you're not going to be buying a new bike, right? You, you're not going to be upgrading every four to six years if all of a sudden significantly more of your income has to go towards that mortgage because interest rates are higher, whatever it may be.
1: Yeah, agreed. I mean, I don't see it. It
0: affects a lot throughout the economy. It's not just it those who are in the housing
1: market. Yeah, I mean, it's it's just it's just you know it's negatively correlated with spend. I mean, which is it, this is this is not complicated stuff, right? People have less money; they spend less money, and you've got to spend it on. (laughs) And if and God forbid, if you're renting, and you know, hopefully, if you bought a house in the last two years, well, I'm sorry if you bought a house in the last two years.
0: I bought a house two and a half years ago.
1: Sorry, man. That window. (laughs) Yeah, Yeah. that's you. Really, it was a matter of months. Frankly, I mean, really, it was it was pandemic. It was March 2020. Boom. Especially Mm -hmm. you. Oh, by the way. Um, for Centennial, Colorado, Colorado, did you know that Rocket Mortgage recognized you in Forbes as one of the top five Zoom economies? Yeah. Zoom
0: economies. Zoom really?
1: economies of 2022. The idea yeah. was that that you, you saw major population growth in, in basically high-skill, high-wealth individuals. Yeah. And they're going to Centennial for the outdoor stuff.
0: Because they don't need to be in an office anywhere, right?
1: Correct. The, Correct. Yeah.
0: Maybe we can talk about that in our next episode.
1: All right. Let's let's leave it as a cliffhanger.
0: We'll save it. Yeah, we'll save it for next week.
1: Awesome. See you next week.
0: Thanks for listening to Inside the Outdoors, presented by People for Bikes and the Outdoor Industry Association. We'll see you next time.